Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, all right, all right. Here we go with week 14 of the What About Podcast. Miles, can you believe it is already week 14? I am David Schiff here with the legend. The man who is really far into the black right now. We'll talk about that. Miles V. How you doing, Miles? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. Yeah, we are in week 14. All kinds of things are going on. This is the week of the backup quarterback, would you say? I, I, I've, there's some names out there that I'm just not recognizing, and they're all getting an opportunity to play. Well, we're certainly going to talk about Jake Browning, but yeah, backup quarterback, third string quarterback, fourth string quarterback. Hey, if you were the quarterback for the Jets last week, you're now off the team. So there's definitely a quarterback uh, carousel going on. And they're recalling quarterbacks from years past. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco got a start this last week and uh, is probably playing again. I, I, are we going to see a Carson Wentz sighting? Maybe, and we'll talk about Flacco. He did not look too bad. He was not the reason the Browns lost, but that was one of your bets, so we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I did want to say, in terms of the One of Bet podcast, it's two-thirds of the way into the season, and the natural order of things is starting to take place, meaning that Miles, who wins this week, Miles went 2-1, and one, I went 1-2, and two, he's starting to pull away, he's got a $1,000 lead on me. Uh, you can see him starting to relax a little bit. And as everybody knows who listens to the Wanna Bet podcast, the winner will be getting a $25 gift card to Starbucks from the loser. So. <laughs> and monkeys might fly out of my butt. That's exciting. I, I love Starbucks. I, I might have uh, read my notes wrong. Apparently, the winner is getting uh, NFL playoff tickets. So uh, I, better, I better pick up the slack. But yeah, Miles, you're starting to pull away. Uh, so what, sixth cash in the last seven weeks? You, you, you had a good week again. Last week was a good week. And what's funny for me is I sent you about five ideas of what I wanted. And I, I think four of the five came in. And uh, and I had a really good week just betting on the side as well. So, yeah, for some reason, last week, things were a lot clearer to me. Um, hopefully that'll continue on. I mean, we're, we're getting to a point where when you're watching games, you're seeing trends, you're seeing, you know, who's who's doing what they're supposed to do. And then there's certainly instances where people are just falling apart right in front of your eyes like, like you would never predict. Well, speak for yourself because I keep thinking I'm seeing trends and then those trends don't materialize. My my betting all last week was about bad offense and it really should have been about bad defense. But we get it. We'll get into that in a second. 
Um, I did want to throw out a pop uh, quiz for you because uh, I have a little theme to our pop quizzes this this week, which is NFL milestones. Oh, yay. So pop quiz question number one. Something happened last week. There's multiple questions? Well, I might have just uh, given you a little spoiler. There's going to be more than one. But pop quiz question number one. Something happened this week in the NFL this past week uh, that's only happened six times in NFL history. Do you know what that is? Um, I, I'm guessing it has to do with the 6-0 game that New England played against the Chargers. That is not correct, unfortunately. Mm. For the sixth time in NFL history, in the Dallas-Seattle game, there were no punts. Oh. There were zero punts in that game. I would have thought that happens more frequently than six times. I would totally agree with you. And when I saw that written down, I actually went and researched it. And uh, sure enough, no, that was only the sixth time in NFL history there were zero punts. So there you go. Well, I feel like uh, some of those other times have happened recently because I feel like I've been watching those games. Yeah, you would think. Uh, And that might be a really good segue into us uh, recapping our bets. And uh, all of our WannaBet fans out there know that Miles and I bet $1,000 every week. Uh, We have to make at least three bets. Each bet has to be at least $100. And we have to bet the entire $1,000. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to recap last week's bets. I went one and two. and. As we said last week, because I put all of my eggs into the Thursday night basket, which was the Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks, I was going to know pretty early on how my week was going, and it did not go very well. I had bet 550 to win 500. Uh, Dallas was favored by nine. They did win the game 41-35, but they don't cover, so I don't win the bet. Uh, When I say bad defense, this was such a head-scratcher to me. This was really a weird one because not only were there no punts in the game, uh, Dallas had no sacks. Seattle had, I think, five drives at least 70 yards long. Like, What happened to the the Dallas defense? They just did not show up. Uh, I don't know what happened. They really threw me for a loop because I thought it was going to be a tough, tough game for uh, Seattle to come into Dallas and play. Again, they didn't win, but Geno Smith was getting rid of the ball. DK Metcalf was a monster. He had three touchdowns. Uh, they just couldn't stop him. They couldn't get to him in time. And they just couldn't, Dallas just couldn't shake Seattle. They covered the game. And I start the week on Thursday night, you know, 0 and 1 with no possibility of cashing. Not a great way to start the week. No, not, it wasn't a great way to start the week for you, but. You know, the game itself was, was kind of strange, and I kind of feel like Pete Carroll missed an opportunity to win that game. Uh, Seattle definitely played above their pay grade and was a surprise to everyone that they were leading that game for a bit. And certainly, I think uh, most people thought that Dallas would handle that game with ease. Uh, yeah, I was one of those people. Well, Pete Carroll abandoned the run. I just thought there were some questionable things that they did. And I think we were even texting, and I know you were pissed that you were gonna that Dallas was gonna win but not cover. But you know, a lot of people would argue that Dallas shouldn't have even won that game at all. Yeah, that's definitely true. Although you can't really complain about the Dallas offense. Dak was good. CeeDee Lamb had another big game. Offense scored the points. For me, it was just about the the defense putting them in that position in the first place. They were not getting off the field. They weren't getting to Geno Smith. They weren't covering. Uh, They had no answer for DK Metcalf. And, you know, it shouldn't have been that close at the end anyway. So that's how my week started. Um, You know, one of my betting strategies 
as we've talked about, is, hey, any team that's playing the New York Jets, let's take them. Uh, and I took one of those teams last week. I had Atlanta minus two and a half going into New York. That was 340 to win 283. And that bet did come in. Atlanta won 13 to eight. As predicted, the Jets offense, just awful. Uh, you know, how bad is it for the Jets offense? As I said, Tim Boyle, who was the starter on that game, in that game, is no longer on the Jets team. He was cut. Um, we were, you and I were just talking about who's going to play quarterback. I don't know if it's Zach Wilson or Trevor Simeon. They picked up Brett Ripien. They couldn't do anything, although... I will say that because it's the NFL, nothing's ever easy. They did manage to kick a couple of field goals, and they got a safety. So at one point in the third quarter, the score of the game becomes 13-8. to eight. Now remember, I have Atlanta minus 2.5. So when you have a team at minus 2.5 and, and they're up 5 points, that's a very precarious position to be in, obviously, because if the other team kicks a field goal, you're losing your bet. It was 13-8. For 19 minutes of the game, the last 19 minutes of the game, the score never changed. And I just sat there agonizing as the teams went up and down, uh, up and down the field. Thankfully, it stayed right there, and I did win the bet. You know, Atlanta was mediocre, which I guess that's all you have to be to beat the Jets. But Drake London only had one catch. Bijan Robinson had like 53 yards. Uh, Desmond Ritter was just average. So I got there. It, it wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, by the way, uh, in terms of punts, all the punts that we didn't see in the Dallas game, they were in this game, 16 punts in the Atlanta Eesh. Jets game. Yeah. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. I, uh, I, I bet the under in that game and that one came through with flying colors, no doubt. And it really is difficult to watch the New York Jets offense operate. Painful. They have no rhythm. They, their quarterback position, it's just pathetic. Uh, at one point, I was calling for Sack Wilson to get in the game because, you know, what between Trevor Simeon and, and the dude that they just let go, uh, they couldn't piece together a couple of drives. It was really bad. And you're right. I noticed that it was sitting at five. And the only, you know, one of the things where you lucked out is that, you know, when it gets close to the end of the game, uh, New York had to go for touchdown. So they couldn't even settle for a field goal to cover. They had to get it in the end zone and they simply could not. Yeah, no question about it, but it was just such a weird score to sit there for so long. And yes, we did talk about the under last week, and it did come through at Flying Colors at 21. So that put 623 in my bank. And then my last game was Jacksonville over Cincinnati. Again, I thought bad offense would carry the day by Cincinnati. Um, look, I think that this is a clear case of a couple, well, a couple of things. Number one, I think Jacksonville completely overlooked Cincinnati. I think Jacksonville had come off of a, a road revenge, tough win over Houston. They were coming back home. Cincinnati was coming into town. Cincinnati didn't have Joe Burrow, and I think they just relaxed. And then the other side of the equation is all of a sudden, not his first start, but his second, Jake Browning just put on a show. And he had one of those days, and he's, it's an you know, kind of an interesting story in that he's been around for four years. He's one of those guys who's had a lot of time to sit on the bench and look and watch and think about, you know, what he needed to do out there and talk, you know, to himself about getting better. And he was calm. He was poised. He made some incredible throws. He looked fantastic. And it's the kind of performance where you wonder if a Bill Belichick is paying attention to that. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers paying attention to that? Are the Panthers paying attention to that? I know it's only one game, and I know let's not go too crazy, 
But Jake Browning is not going to be the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals next year. It's going to be Joe Burrow. And I'm going to be very, very curious to see how Browning does next week against the Colts, how he does in the rest of the season, because he looked like he really had one of those, you know, Brock Purdy, Tony Romo kind of performances. We talked about it with Jordan Love turning the corner. Jordan Love had another incredible week over Kansas City. So maybe this was Jake Browning's coming out party. I only had $110 on this game, so it didn't cost me a lot. But I don't think anybody saw Jake Browning coming off the bench and playing as well as he did. Um, I don't know what happened to Jacksonville's defense. Joe Mixon scored a couple of times. They just couldn't stop him. And then even worse news for Jacksonville is they lost Trevor Lawrence, at least for this week, and Christian Kirk for how, I don't know how long with the, with the groin pull. So really, really bad week for Jacksonville that could have repercussions long past last week. I thought it was an absolutely shocking game. I was very impressed with Browning at the helm. And it just goes to show you that you can be a team in the in the thick of things, in the thick of the fight, in the in the in the hunt for a playoff spot, and your quarterback goes down, it doesn't mean that you're at a complete loss for the season. I mean, you've seen it with the Vikings. You've seen it now with Cincinnati. I mean, people are able to salvage their seasons by finding decent backups. The New York Jets are the only team that doesn't appear to be able to do that. And they're searching and searching, and they just can't find that quarterback. And that really is, it's it's a sad state of affairs if you're a New York Jets fan. Yeah, it does feel a little bit sort of hit or miss. You've got Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who we talked a lot about, who's been He's had some flashing moments uh, for Cleveland, but really hasn't put it all together. Tommy DeVito for the Giants. Not everybody has come out of the gate and just picked up where the starter has left off. Uh, but every now and then, you know, you, you see the value of a backup quarterback. No question about that, because you have to have somebody who, who can step in at a moment's notice and move your offense and get touchdowns, not field goals. And it'll be really interesting to see how Jacksonville, you know, does with uh, with Beathard now uh, at their quarterback. He was able to at least move the ball a little bit to get a field goal and, and get the game in the overtime. But uh, unfortunately, the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars lost that game, and I was shocked just at how many points were scored. That was a very, very high-scoring game. And Jacksonville had no answer for Browning and Cincinnati. They were completely unprepared for that performance in that team. So anyway, I finished with 623. Uh, that leaves me, and for the first time in a long time, I am under for the year. So I am slightly in the red at 12,925 after three weeks. And like I said, the gap has widened a little bit uh, because, Miles, you did much better than I did. You want to tell the fine folks about that? I certainly will. Um, last week, for the first time, I had all of my games being the afternoon games for Sunday, which yeah. was really, really strange. I, they're never all on at the same time, except this time. And, and, to, and for them to be the afternoon was even more rare, because I think they were, those were all of the games. And I was going to ask you if you had known that when you made those bets, or it was just an absolute coincidence. No, no, I, I had no idea. I mean, it's almost like I had plans in the morning and then decided to make all my bets on the games that I could watch. But no, it was just random that the three teams that I picked uh, happened to be playing in the afternoon. So the first one was a game that I really felt I handicapped well, and that was the San Francisco 49ers over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that was my 360 to win 300 because I bought a half a point, which I didn't need at all. Uh, no, which, you didn't. 
also tends to be a trend here. Every time we're buying that half point, it just doesn't come into play. But uh, that game, you know, for me, and seeing just how tough the Philadelphia schedule has been, uh, and knowing that San Francisco's coming in, having some uh, extra rest, and that, you know, this week Philadelphia will be playing Dallas, I just thought that San Francisco would be able to win that game. Now, in the first quarter, it was really all Philadelphia, and my first instinct was, oh, wow, you really misjudged this because Philadelphia was moving the ball and kicking field goals. They were stopping the San Francisco offense. Uh, I think it was 6 nothing at the end of the first, but then – something happened and San Francisco figured it out. And then it just became very, very Mm one-sided. And the game itself was a, was a weird one. There was a lot of fighting Uh, there. The players were fighting. You had a coaches, coaches were (laughs) fighting. I think the cheerleaders got into it for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was typical Philly style. Uh, But then, you know, when the game's getting out of hand, you had a couple of injuries too. I mean, Jalen Hurts at one point went down and had to go under the tent. Um, and you just think, you know, this isn't the game where you want to lose your starters after mm. there's no way to win. But um, mm-hmm. nonetheless, San Francisco pulled it out, and that was probably the the easiest of, of the bets that I made. Uh, and I was really happy with that result. Uh, the bet that I wasn't happy with was I ended up taking Tampa Bay over um, Carolina. Now, we did our pod a little bit earlier in the week. I got that at a Tampa Bay minus five and a half. Ultimately, during the week, that spread moved to Tampa Bay minus three, and Tampa Bay won that game by three. So uh, in real life, when I held off on betting until the spread got better, I ended up pushing. But in our contest, where I locked it in at five and a half, I ended up losing, and that was a little bit frustrating. But hats off to Carolina. They certainly played better than I thought they would. I had figured that Tampa Bay at home with something to play for against a Carolina team, which really doesn't have much to play for, would be a lot more skewed to the Tampa Bay side. But it took all four quarters for Tampa Bay to really pull that one out. And, uh, again, they only only won by three, which – Again, if you're a better uh, on the day of, you got a push out of it. Uh, and if you locked it in early like I did, you uh, you lost. And even some of our Army took Carolina. They went oppo, and they all won. So good for them. I feel like this is the second time that Carolina's got you. You're right. I think you had them against Houston a few weeks ago, and they, they won that. And so they're a little bit like, you, like my Jacksonville, because I keep betting on Jacksonville, and I've won. But – uh, they've certainly bit me in the ass, and I feel like Carolina has that number for you a little bit. And it certainly scared me off a little bit this week. Um, you know, I think there was a strategy we've talked about of whoever is playing against Carolina, take them, because Carolina, yeah. you know, had zero wins for the longest time, then one win for the longest time. I guess they still have one win, but this was just a close game and a cover for them. That's the fact, Jack! And so my third game was the Rams minus three and a half against the Browns. And let me tell you, I was really impressed with Joe Flacco out there at quarterback for the Browns. It doesn't look like he sat out at all and that he just kind of been continued on as a regular starting quarterback for years. He was throwing the ball uh, all over the place. He had some great rapport with with the receiver, uh, was it Lewis or? Elijah Moore. 
Elijah Moore, who I guess he played with on the Jets last year. Yeah. So they looked great. Um, so, yeah, I didn't think that uh, – I kind of thought it would be a lot easier than it was. It was a pretty close game. You know, Cleveland has such a great defense, but ultimately uh, the Rams were able to win. Uh, you know, one of their better receivers, Gunga Vagunga, went down at one point. And Hava Nagila? He, I love that guy. <laughs> uh, he was out for uh, for uh, several plays, but he made a comeback, and they certainly needed him. He's got a lot of speed. And, uh, yeah, the Rams were able to to overcome and, and, and win that game. So um, that was uh, me winning my second game uh, of the afternoon, going 2-1 and one for a total of – Twelve fifty-two back in my bank. It was interesting watching all of your games at the same time um, because we go on this roller coaster every single week with you know our games individually. But for you to have all three games going at once, it was it was just sort of interesting for me to be a bystander watching all of this because at one point, because you picked three favorites, all three of the teams that you picked were winning, but none of them were covering the spreads. Then a few minutes later. All three of them were covering the spreads. And a few minutes after that, one of them was covering the spread, only to end up with two of them covering the spread. So uh, I know what it was like to watch the games. I know you were on a roller coaster. Uh, but luckily for you, two out of three came out and you do take the week. Yeah. And we were darn close to being 3-0 and for a perfect week. But uh, like we said, the uh, that spread change just really kind of affected it fortunately on the, on the betting side because i did make these bets with my money as well i did i did a little bit better love that tell me about the wanna bet army what's going on in army land who did well who did not what's all the skinny well i'll tell you who did really well it was vagdus again going three and oh i love this Jesus. kid he had the rams with me he had miami, miami uh, and yeah, he wow. had uh the lions as as well so good for vagdus he went three and oh uh, RJ, who I told people to really look out for, he had another winning week as well. He took the 49ers. He took the Panthers plus five and a half, so good for him. Uh, Donnie only came in with Carolina, but that was a winner for him. We had Bill Kuklanis. Uh He took Green Bay, and he took the 49ers, so two and one for him. Dave Barons also liked the Packers. That seemed to be a popular pick. Uh, Dave Siegel was on the Lions. And then, of course, my cousin Nick, with his usual. <laughs> yeah. Had a, Tommy, what, what, did, what did cousin Nick do this week? He had the Pittsburgh Steelers who lost. Uh-huh. He had the Bears who didn't play. And he had whoever played Carolina, which in this case was Tampa Bay. And somehow he got that at a minus three. So it was a push. So not a total loss for Nick, but... Uh, Certainly, he is keeping up his reputation as being one of the stranger betters who follows our show. Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Well, that's some good money he laid down on the Bears who weren't playing. (laughs) All right, so that's our uh, recap from last week. Miles takes the week, and he is pulling uh, away, as we have discussed. So what I think we should do is take a break, calm down, focus, look ahead to week 14, figure out where we want our bets, and come back and let's spend some money. What do you say? I'm, I'm loving it. Let's do that. All right. We'll be right back on the Wanna Bet podcast right after this. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. 
take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we are back on the One Bet Podcast. David and Miles here, turning our attention to week 14. We have a new $1,000 in our pockets. we got new bets to make. And but Miles, before we get into the bets, I do have another pop quiz for you. Yes! Uh, this is this is two pop quizzes in the same show. I know. This is outstanding. I know you look forward to this. And so this one has to do with the betting lines this week. That's why I saved it for the back half of the show. There is something going on in the betting lines this week that has not happened in the last 18 years in the NFL. Well, I, I have no clue. I mean, I can tell you I've seen some weird things with the betting lines this week. Mm-hmm. In particular, uh, you know, Houston started out as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They're now down to three-and-a-half against the Jets. Yeah, but that, that happens every week. That's not something that happens every 18 years. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I saw the, the Bears game, which which I'm actually going to be betting on. That total moved. I, I got it at, at 40, and now I'm looking at it, and it's 43-and-a-half. I mean, that's, that's a big move in a couple of days, but I don't know what hasn't happened in 18 years. Please tell me. Yeah, so we sort of alluded to this uh, really vaguely in some texting that we did, but the over-under on the New England Patriot-Steelers game tomorrow is 30. That is the lowest over-under in 18 years for the NFL. And what's funny about that game is the Jacksonville-Cleveland over under is 30 and a half. Yeah. It's right yeah. there too. So you're just seeing some, you know, bad, bad offenses being factored in, into the numbers. Uh, and that is a number we have. And it's funny because somebody posted how low the number was going to be. And I tweeted or X or whatever, like, I'm sort of surprised that number is going to be in double digits. Yeah. I'll tell you, I think that that Cleveland Jacksonville number is fishy. It looks really low to me, and I'm wondering why is it that low? And so I, I looked into it a little further, and I think they're expecting some really bad weather in Cleveland. I think that that's what it's about, and it's not so much quarterback play because we saw Flacco put up a ton of points against the Rams, yeah. and I think Beathard you know, and the Jacksonville offense are strong enough to score at least their share of the 30-and-a-half. So it really – they must be expecting high winds or snow or something a little bit crazy enough to make me back off that game. I think it's a combination of bad weather plus Lawrence being out plus Christian Kirk being out uh, and all those things coming to bear. Uh, but that is uh, that is a crazy, crazy low number. Yeah, that, well, that was certainly one that I looked at in the beginning. Uh, just like I looked at my first bet of the week, which is the Chicago-Detroit game, and that total, when I looked at it, was 40, and I said, give me that total. And then, um, again, I looked at it and further and said, why is it so low? These are teams that are improving. These are teams that generally score a lot. And the reason being was they were expecting bad weather here in Chicago. They were saying there's going to be a snowstorm. But I looked ahead on my weather app. I looked at you know uh, local news where I'm at. And it looks like that storm's going to pass through either Saturday or not come at all. 
And so now the, the line is the totals have moved up significantly. It's at 43 and a half. I feel like I'm lucking out at 40. So I'm violating uh, several of my rules this week. Mm. Um, in this case, I'm violating my rule two, where I said I like to size every bet. Uh, this one, I'm going to go 440 to win 400. So I'm, I'm changing it up a little bit and uh, and saying, wow, with a, with a total like 40, uh, I'm going to bet a little bit more. You're right on with Detroit, who can put up a lot of points. They've burned me a couple of times, and you have Chicago coming off of a buy. So if those things come together, uh, you could – you know, really be in a nice situation. Hopefully Chicago doesn't, you know, use their buy to really uh, prepare how to stop the Detroit offense and Detroit doesn't get, uh, you know, moving every now and then, you know, like on Thanksgiving, Detroit just sort of comes out flat. Uh, but we know, you know, with Goff, with Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, with all the skill players that they have, those guys can put up points. And you're right, Chicago with Justin Fields has been playing better. Uh, and it's not a tough number to get to at 40. Yeah, I think you actually hit a lot of the points I want on the cover. And the truth is the Chicago defense is much improved, uh, but their offense is even more improved now that Justin Fields is at the helm. And he seems to find his stride with uh, with DJ Moore, and they're doing a lot more together. Uh, Cole Komet is making, uh, is making some plays. So I'm looking for this divisional rivalry, which you recall they played probably – two to three weeks ago and the bears almost won that game i believe detroit had to come back from uh maybe being 18 points down or something to to overtake and win and i think uh you know i don't know who's going to win this game i think probably detroit but uh i think that they're going to be scoring on each other like like they traditionally do well in that game that you referenced this final score was 31 26 so 57 points scored in that game so that's a good omen for you all right, Miles, coming out of retirement with the big bet there, 440 to win 400. Uh, and I'm making a little bit of an interesting bet. I'm also starting at 440 to, to win 400. And I am, and I don't think I've really done this in the in the year and a half of uh, one of bet, but I am coming right back to bet against a team that beat me last week. And that is the Seattle Seahawks. I am betting on the San Francisco 49ers uh, at minus 10 and a half at home uh, to beat the Seahawks 440 to win 400. We have talked about the insanity of the Philadelphia Eagles schedule lately. I want to remind everybody what Seattle is in the midst of for a, for a month, a month straight here. So Seattle, two weeks ago, they lost to the 49ers in Seattle 31-13. So there's an omen if you're looking for an 18-point you know, point loss at home, and now they have to go play that same team on the road. Last week, as we know, they lost to the Cowboys 41-35. This week, they are playing at San Francisco, and then next week, they play the Eagles at home. So they are just in a brutal, brutal stretch, and I think that the 49ers are going to take advantage of that. And, and we don't usually get really into the minutiae and depth of how teams play and the styles of play, but I want to talk about it here for one second because I think it's important. Dallas is a team that plays a lot of man-to-man defense and they like to blitz a lot. And in the game against Seattle, they were making Gino run around and getting some pressure on him, but they weren't sacking him. And when that is happening and you have man-to-man defense, Gino had time to really pick them apart and use D- DK Metcalf. Uh, and they have these long drives that I talked about. That is not how San Francisco plays defense. San Francisco plays a lot more zone. They play a lot more too deep, and they rely on their front four to get to the quarterback, and their front four is really good at it. 
So I think it's going to be a completely different situation for Gino that he's just going to not going to have he's still not going to have a lot of time and he's not going to have the same type of coverage that he took advantage of last week against uh, Dallas. So I'm really banking on that. And let's face it, San Francisco. I mean, look, they have the MVP candidate, the top MVP candidate, Brock Purdy. They are great on both sides of the ball. Debo Samuel, that guy has just been the lightning rod since he came back. Uh, He was out for the three game streak. Now he's back. They haven't lost and they are winning by, you know, 22, 23, 24 points, you know, easily over the last month. So I don't see how Seattle can keep it close playing in San Francisco. I'm actually surprised the number 10 and a half isn't higher. It's hard to argue that San Francisco does not look like the best team in the league right now. They certainly have great skill position players. They've got great defense. They've got great coaching. Uh, They're really a pleasure to watch when they're playing well. And I think they've already gone through their lull for the season when they had three games uh, where they kind of lost. And that was probably because of injuries. I mean, let's face it, they were missing McCaffrey. They were missing Samuel. uh, Not everyone was at 100%. So I I, I do think that uh, San Francisco, no doubt, is the better team here. Ten and a half points is a is a lot of points to swallow. You've done it earlier this year and won. Uh, I've done it earlier this year and won. But uh, you know, I, I would never be surprised though because and it's funny. It's that hook too. I could see a win by ten and that extra half point possibly coming into in the play, which I which I hope doesn't happen for you. Why do you got to smush my bet? Why do you got to even throw that out into the ether? I would never smush a bet for you. I don't even know what you're talking you about. You mush my bets every week. <laughs> uh, you congratulate me while someone's running back a touchdown. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I am enthusiastically joining the roller coaster with you. And I'm, I am not mushing. I'm just, you know, I'm being a partner. I'm, I'm offering my support. I'm, I'm right you are there being with you. a divorced partner is what's <laughs> happening here. You're like, you don't understand the betters creed here. We're playing against the house and uh, you're talking about no hitters in the middle of one. It's crazy. <laughs> was that bad? Um, <laughs> um, in any event, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I understand the bat and I certainly feel San Francisco. Uh, I picked them to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So it's hard for me to, to really say that it, that I wouldn't do it. No, you're right. The number, you know, the issue is the points. You know, that's a lot of points. You know this, but I looked seriously at the Miami Washington game, and they're favored by like 13 and a half. I actually think they're going to cover that game, so I'm not really afraid of the big spreads. You know, I just got burned Jacksonville eight and a half. Uh, you know, the Raiders burned me a couple weeks ago, and I took them plus nine. Dallas last week uh, or the week before yeah, six and a mm-hmm. half. Yeah. So it look, it swings both ways, but boy, it's just so hard not to look at just the, like the math of San Francisco beat Seattle by 18 points in Seattle. Two weeks later, they're playing in San Francisco. How can they not win by at least 10 and a half? They're not playing any worse. Seattle maybe has, you know, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde personality that they came out really strong against Dallas, but San Francisco's better than Dallas. So that's where I am. Well, my second game, which will be 330 to win 330, is I am going back and betting against Philadelphia again, and I'm taking Dallas minus three and a half, and that's an even money bet. So this one came to me kind of later on uh, in the day as I was looking at various games, and I feel like we're talking about strength of schedules, you're talking about how Seattle has played a lot of games. And last week, one of the reasons I picked 
San Francisco is because Philadelphia, you know, played Miami, they played Washington, then Dallas, then KC, and then Buffalo, and then San Francisco, and now they're right back at Dallas. And look, I think they're just they're just tired. They've played a tough, tough schedule, and they need a cupcake, and they don't have one, at least not till they get through this game. And I think that they played against Dallas in Philly. They were able to win that game. I think it's hard to beat the same team multiple times. And now I think Dallas, who has had extra rest, having played on Thursday, uh, is playing now again on Sunday. So you got that extra buy and a half factor. And, you know, Philly looked really defeated against the 49ers. And I still am a big fan of Philly. I just think they need some time off to regroup. And I don't think Jalen Hurts was was injured that severely. I'm, I haven't seen him on an injury report that he's not playing or that he's missing practice. But I don't think he's at 100%. And I just think that Philly, you know, is going to play well when it matters towards the end of the year in the playoffs. And I think one of the interesting uh, storylines is that, you know, Philly is 10-2, and two, Dallas is nine and three. If they win this, they'll both have the same record, which I think is exciting going into the last part of the season. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think Dallas is going to win. The question is, are they going to win by three and a half? They might win by three. And this might be another situation where that half a point gets me in the trouble, but I'm going to go ahead and take it. I know you rode with Dallas last week and didn't win and might have negative feelings about it. But just based on what I saw from Philadelphia uh, they're tired. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I think, is injured and probably won't play. He is a big run stuffer. Uh, so I feel like the advantage goes to Dallas. Oh, and I talked to one of my friends today, Carrie, who I, I love, and she was telling me she's a huge Dallas fan and thinks that they're going to rip him up. So, What was her logic? What, what, why did she say that? Uh, she married a, a Cowboys fan, so that was her logic. <laughs> Just because, look, I think you're right on about the Eagles' defense being tired. There were stats that they were posting in the game against San Francisco about how uh, many snaps they've been playing, and I think that it really did catch up to them. Um, I think that Dallas offense, they're going to be there for you, and that's going to be great against the Philadelphia defense. For me, the question mark is the Dallas defense. After seeing what happened to them and how they just disappeared against Seattle, you just hope that that doesn't you know happen again, and Philadelphia keeps marching down the the field and scoring points because I, I, you're right about Jalen Hurts. He's not 100%, but he's been at the same way the whole time, and he manages to pull it together for a game. And he knows when to run and how to avoid hard hits. And he's just at that point in the season where, yeah, we're all banged up, and we're just kind of, you know, we've got that thousand yard stare to get through it. So for me, the question mark is: Can the Dallas defense hold the Philadelphia offense? Because I think the Dallas offense will be fine. Yeah, it's a fair question, and I'm hoping that a combination of making some adjustments and uh, you know, having that little extra time to recover, having played Thursday through Sunday when, you know, they played Thursday to Thursday last time. So I, I just think maybe um, maybe that, that that extra extra time is going to be helpful. And I'm counting on that for uh, a portion of this bet. This is the game of the week. Everybody's going to be watching it. I'm going to be watching it, you know, every game, you know, with this Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco trifecta is just huge for the standings. Uh, and these are the marquee games that we want to see. So, yeah, we'll see how it uh, shapes up for you. 
So that's Miles' second bat, and here's my second bat. So I am kind of going with a classic Rule 1, Rule 1A bat, and as everybody who listens to 1A-bet knows, this is a strategy that Miles uh, coined last year. Uh, Rule 1 is, you know, don't bet against a home underdog, because they end up covering a lot more than you think, and the natural extension of that Rule 1A is, well, proactively bet on them, because they do cover, so why not? And I am taking the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, plus three at home over Minnesota, 330 to win 300. And this is just a situation where I think a lesser team is coming in. Uh, I know that we've talked about the Josh Dobbs great story and what a great story it's been. It has not been a great story for the Minnesota Vikings the last couple of weeks. In fact, Dobbs was so bad. He had six turnovers in the last two weeks, four interceptions uh, against the Bears a couple of weeks ago. Both of these teams are coming off the bye week. But by the way, so there's no advantage there. But uh, Dobbs was so bad that the Vikings actually thought about starting some somebody else. And they've actually had to come out and say that, no, Josh Dobbs is the starting quarterback. So when you have a team like that, that's really kind of, you know, hit a roadblock all of a sudden with their offense and they're a favorite by three points going into the Raiders. I'm happy to take those three points. Um, Raiders are not a great team, uh, but. They've been playing better with the new coach, uh, I think, at home. Uh, I think that they could keep it close. Mm, I think it's going to be tight. I'm okay with tight. Uh, I think Aiden O'Connell has had his ups and downs. Um, but I think really this is more about the Raider defense. And look, I was on the Raiders two weeks ago when Kansas City came into town. I thought the Raiders would cover. They didn't. Their defense just couldn't hold on long enough uh, against Kansas City. But Minnesota is not Kansas City. This offense is not as good uh, as the Chiefs, obviously, uh, and they're not getting as many points. But I think that uh, Minnesota has just hit a little bit of a roadblock. Their offense is scuffling. Josh Dobbs might have a shadow of doubt in his mind uh, with all the turnovers. I think the Raiders take advantage of that, uh, and they're going to win at home. Yeah, I don't have a good feel at all for this game. I will say that I think that the bye came at a great time for Minnesota because it did look like they were tired. I mean, they've had a really emotional season when you lose your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, you bring in Josh Dobbs, who has a couple of miracle wins, and they're riding that high. All of a sudden, that high came crashing down when they played the Bears. Uh, and and then I think they needed to go in and just get some rest and regroup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they did coming out of the bye. Like you pointed out, the Raiders had their own bye, so there isn't the advantage there at all in terms of, of rest. But uh, I, I just don't – I have had a really uh, hard time picking games that the Raiders are in. I remember I was in Vegas when they were playing the Packers and uh, and totally biffed on that one. So uh, the Raiders are just a weird, weird team for me to watch and to try to figure out. I agree with you. This really is not about the Raiders. This is about Minnesota and where they've been the last couple of weeks. And yes, they are uh, coming off of the bye, which is nice and restful and, you know, teams regroup. But again, so are the Raiders. And you you get to a point where you see enough evidence on somebody and, and you know, you get excited about a Josh Dobbs. Uh, but then 
two, you know, really, really horrible weeks and you start thinking, oh, yeah, this is why this guy was a backup. This is why this guy was on so many teams that sometimes people flash for a few games and he's got some skills of running and it was so different than Kirk Cousins. But now the defenses are starting to catch up to him. They're putting pressure on him. They're making him run around. Uh, they're getting him out of the pocket and he's responding by, you know, contributing to turnovers. And if the Raiders can continue to do that, I think you'll have a good chance. Yeah, the NFC North is getting a little bit tight. And, uh, and you know, Detroit isn't necessarily playing at their best. And Minnesota has not been playing at their best as of late. And look who's coming up. It's it's the Green, Your favorite. It's, it's the, the Green, Bay, Green Bay, Packers. Bay Packers. Yeah, you're president of the fan club. Here they come. Well, guess what? Bet number three this week. I am taking my loathsome. What? Green Bay Packers. Yes, I can't stand them, but I do like winning money, and I'm going to take them minus six and a half against the New York Giants. Now, this is a classic violation of Rule 1 and Rule 1A. While you're following the rules this week, I am breaking them left and right. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit crazy because I'm breaking them with a team that I don't even get enjoyment out of watching. But I got to tell you, these last few weeks, Green Bay is they've reinvented themselves. They look they look really amazing out there. Yeah. And here's another disadvantage. The Giants are coming off a bye. So they've had a lot of rest. They've had time to regroup, but then I start thinking, well, they're going to regroup with what? Danny DeVito and Saquon Barkley? I mean, they really don't have a whole lot else, and I just don't think that they're that threatening. Whereas you know, Green Bay's coming off a great win outright against uh, Kansas City. I thought perhaps they'd cover. I didn't think they'd win outright. Um, but yeah, I think Green Bay has been really playing above their pay grade, and they're the hot team. And I'm going to kind of go with the hot team. Whereas the Giants, there's really not a lot to talk about with them. They're they're not good. Uh, there's nothing exciting about them. They have no skilled receivers to speak of. And Green Bay's defense is pretty darn good. So I'm looking for them to clamp down. I'm looking for them to, you know, outright win six and a half. You know, I'm a little uncomfortable with that number of points, but uh, hopefully Green Bay will win by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I don't love the number. I'll be totally honest with you, because not only are the Giants coming off of a bye, but they have two wins in a row. Yeah, they're against New England and Washington, not powerhouses, but they have a little bit of momentum. And DeVito... Another week of reps, another week of practice. He's going to be the starter. This is a game where I could see Green Bay winning by three, mm-hmm. three and a half. And I think that is what I would be nervous. You know, it's it's still a lot for Jordan Love. And what a great story he's been. Let's give him credit. He just looks like a different guy, like light switches fi- fl- flipped. But to go into the Meadowlands, into New York, uh, it's tough, tough place to play. Giants have a decent defense. I, I think they win the game. The, the question is all about the number for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see this guy Reed, who's who's really come a long way and has been kind of the uh, possession receiver lately when they need uh, when they need something. And then Watson uh, had a big game as well. So between those guys, uh, AJ Dillon is a decent backup to Aaron Jones, and uh, and like you said, Love is is really uh, is playing completely different level of football than he was the first I'd say five weeks of the season. So. Um, yeah, we're hoping that Green Bay is going to win, not because I like Green Bay, but because I want to win my one-of-bet bets. That is such a great segue into my last bet, I have to tell you, uh, because 
my last bet, and let me take one step back. You know, I'm a thousand dollars down. We're getting into the last of the season, and I do acknowledge this is a competition, and I want to look for opportunities to make up not just make good bets, but make up ground on you. And one of the ways, as we know, to make up ground is to find a money line opportunity where you think a team is not only just going to cover the spread, but they're going to win outright. And I think I have one here. And guess what? It's against my LA Chargers. I am taking the Denver Broncos on the money line plus 120. They are um, three point underdogs coming into SoFi 230 to win 276. I wouldn't say desperate times call for de- desperate measures, but I did start looking at the money lines uh, a lot more closely uh, this week. And look, I'm in the same boat. Chargers are my team. You know that. I just think this is a great opportunity here because I really think emotionally they're sort of done. They're coming off of this horribly ugly, lackluster win uh, over New England, in New England, six to nothing. And what you used to be able to say about the Chargers was that they had an above average offense and a defense that was shaky at best. And now you really can't even say that about the offense. And every decent player on the Chargers is banged up. Herbert has the bad hand. Keenan Allen has the the leg injuries and he's had, you know, ribs and neck and all that. Joey Bosa has an ankle injury. I just think this is a prime opportunity where Denver is going to come in and win this game. They are coming off of a loss and they're coming off a little bit of a weird loss. They lost 22 to 17. And look, they, they lost to Houston in Houston. Nothing to be ashamed about this year. Houston's, um, you know, playing pretty well. Russell Wilson had three interceptions in the last 16 minutes in that game. And I think that's one of those anomaly things that's just not going to happen again. And there's enough combination of much, much better defense on Denver. We've talked about that before. They're going to be getting to, uh, they're going to be getting to Justin Herbert, even in the loss, they had five sacks against CJ Stroud. So they're going to make life miserable for Justin Herbert. And I think the, the Chargers are kind of given up, to be honest with you. I just don't see any energy, any pa- any, any passion, uh, any spark. And here's my hope slash prediction that the Chargers lose and it's Brandon Staley's last game. Can I wish for that? Can I put that in my Christmas stocking? I, 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 I'm so there. I, I don't know. Is, is yeah. that bad? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. And you mentioned injuries on, on the team. What happened to Austin Eckler's hands? He doesn't seem to be able to catch any passes thrown to him because he's been getting hit in the hands the last several games, and it's embarrassing. And he's one of those guys, actually, that goes out and says, hey, I love fantasy football. I'm going to do well for you. You want to invest in me? And he's been ass lately. For a rece- for a running back who is known for his receiving abilities, you're absolutely right. He's disappeared and he had an injury earlier in the season, but he's just sort of been a non-factor. And I'm not, you know, he had like 20 yards rushing. You know, it was a terrible, terrible weather last week in New England, but he really has been a non-factor. And I've talked about this before, but their first round pick, Quentin Johnson, who was supposed to step in for Mike Williams, he'd been a total bust. He actually had his best game of the year uh, last week, catching like five passes for 50 yards. That's as good as he's been. So they've really missed on some draft choices. They're really lacking in skill players. I, I just think they're there's by the way, uh, you know, in terms of are the Chargers playing for something, there are seven teams in front of them to make the wild card spot. So there's just so much traffic in front of them. Uh, I just think that they're going to come out listless with no energy. They're going to lose the game and I'm going to win my money line bet. Yeah, I'm going to trust you on this. I mean, you are the Supercharger fan number one, 
And if anyone knows more about the Chargers, I don't know who it is. So I don't think I've ever seen you do this before. This is a great, great advancement by you to actually not be a homer and bet with what you think is the smart money. Um, I'm going to tell you on this. I'll tell you that. right. I'm going to go ahead and throw some money on the Denver money line and root with you. That's how much I think this is. you've grown. My boy's all grown's up. He's grown's up, and he's grown's up. I'm standing on a table at a, at a diner somewhere. Well, you know, we'll see how it plays out. You got to make some hard decisions in this line of work we've chosen. You got to leave those personal, uh, you know, passions aside, all those teams you grew up with as a kid. You got to put them aside and say, they are not ready this week. I've got a chance to win some money, and I'm going to take that chance. You know, the beauty of this bet is if the Chargers end up winning, you'll still be happy a little bit, right? Yep. I didn't say that out <laughs> loud, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> and by the way, if the, if the Packers lose to the Giants, will you feel the same way? No, no. This is all about Green Baby. This is all about the Benjamin. Show me the money! So those are my bets. Uh, let me recap quickly. I am taking uh, my big bet is San Francisco 440 to win 400 over the Seattle Seahawks, minus 10 and a half, but playing in San Francisco. I think they're going to stomp all over the Seahawks. Uh, I am making just a classic uh, taking a home underdog bet, the Las Vegas Raiders plus three at home over Minnesota. I think Minnesota's offense is really stalled and there's some shadow of a doubt. In Josh Dobbs' head, that's 330 to win 300. And finally, I am taking the Broncos on the money line, plus 120 to beat my Chargers, because my Chargers are already looking ahead towards next year. 230 to win 276. There it is. I will be taking the Chicago-Detroit over 40, which I don't think you'll be hard-pressed to get now. So check your books and see what the best you can do. But I'm really excited about that. That's 440 to win 400. I am taking an even money bet with Dallas minus three and a half against uh, Philadelphia. That's 330 to win 330. That's my equivalent of the money line. There's no VIG in that one. And then I am taking Green Bay minus six and a half against the New York City Giants. Uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. Now, before we go, we do want our listeners to tell us what they think they like this week. By going to at WannaBet Podcast on Twitter or X, and then you can go ahead and uh, and post who you think is going to win. Uh, our army is growing. Our army is strong. Our army is fun. I saw a lot of great interactions this last week, and let's keep it going. Um, you have to do that amongst all the other stories that are developing on X especially about the Ivy League and what they're doing in their hearings, coupled with uh, all kinds of uh, weird other things going on in the world. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk told all of his advertisers to go fuck themselves if they didn't want to advertise with him. So who knows how long X is going to be be around, but that is our platform uh, for the moment. But as Miles said, yeah, get on board. Tell us uh, what you would do with $1,000 if it magically showed up in your wallet. Maybe we could all be like John Svogdis one day and just ace our bets every single week. I, that guy needs it. He needs to go pro, I'm telling you. Between Svagdis and RJ, those are the guys you want to watch. So look and see who they're betting on, and maybe you want to tell them. Yeah, so we're going to reverse the show next week. We're going to wait for them to make their bets, and then, uh, then I'm going to pick based on what they do. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's going to do it for week 14 of the Wanna Bet podcast. We will be back next week, as always, giving you our thoughts, giving you our picks, giving you the lines, talking some football. Giving you our love, and with that in mind, I do love your body, Larry, and uh, I'm signing out. All right. Peace out, everybody. Have a great week.
Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.